What does it take for companies to survive a super peak? How has the driver shortage made life difficult for food distributors? And how to plan e-commerce supply chains for a post-pandemic world? Pull up a chair and join us as the editors of DC Velocity discuss these stories as well as news and supply chain trends on this week's Logistics Matters podcast. Hi, I'm Dave Maloney. I'm the editorial director at DC Velocity. Welcome. Logistics Matters is sponsored by Aptian. Aptian is a global provider of mission-critical, industry-specific logistics and transportation management solutions. Aptian routing and scheduling delivers the most advanced transportation management systems to lead world-leading brands, helping to drive operational success, reduce transportation costs by up to 30%, while optimizing delivery routes to meet rising customer expectations. For more information, please visit aptian.com. As usual, our DC Velocity senior editors, Ben Ames and Victoria Kickham, will be along to provide their insight into the top stories of this week. But to begin today, how do companies manage through super peaks? To answer that question, here is Ben with today's guest. Ben? Thanks, Dave. Yeah, we're lucky to have with us here today, Sean Winter, who's uh, Vice President of Mobility Solutions at Descartes. Uh, he was previously the CEO of ShipTrack, which was acquired by Descartes uh, last year, and is a uh, provider of cloud-based mobile resource management and shipment tracking solutions. Uh, welcome, Sean. Thanks for joining us. Thanks so much, Ben. Pleasure to be here. Um, just to start things off, maybe you could uh, give us a, a, a quick idea um, of, of how the process has gone. Um, that I, I know the uh, acquisition was just in uh, November, I think, of 2020, so um, it, it's brand new, but uh, how, how does... How is ShipTrack fitting in at Descartes, and uh, and, and what sort of services uh, do you provide for uh, the, the last mile sector? Yeah, no, it's a great question. It's uh, <clears throat> to be honest with you, it's gone extremely well. We're uh, we're ahead of schedule with respect to integration of the two businesses, and you know, starting now to uh, uh, you know engage together on on opportunities uh, to help our customers with a broader set of portfolio products, which is really exciting for us. Um, you know, ShipTrack has really been designed for the last mile, um, which arguably is you know, probably the most complex and if not, maybe the most expensive part of the supply chain. And, uh, and, and we've done it really, really well. We've provided uh, our, our courier customer, customers and, uh, and others with the ability to track their shipments right to the, right to the door. And it's uh, especially relevant now with, uh, you know, our COVID-19 situation around the world. It certainly, uh, you know, enabled uh, the carriers to be a lot more uh, efficient and effective at, at uh, doing what they do. But you know now as part of the Descartes portfolio um, in the uh, in the routing mobile and telematics uh, group, you know we've got access to other products that uh, you know such as route optimization, area planner, and things like that that really add a lot of value to the portfolio. So we're thrilled to be integrating in the, into those other products and just to add more value and offer our customers a whole lot more choice. Great, thank you for. Uh describing that yeah um and then as you say uh, of, of course we talk a lot in the magazine and on the podcast here about uh, the challenges of last mile delivery and uh in the past year in 2020 in this big pandemic year um we saw that what used to be known as a typical peak volume of parcels uh is really no longer reserved just for that winter holiday season uh but it's happening earlier uh spread out sort of throughout the year um and and i know that's something that that some people call super peaks even when when that combines with the uh with, with the winter rush um, can you describe what sort of challenges um, that, that you saw happening that that created for uh, for the last mile uh, performers? 
Well, no, no doubt. 2020 was a very different year for everyone, um, <clears throat> but especially in, in, in logistics. So, and you're right, you know, peak uh, this year came uh, in March, April timeframe and stayed right through the summer months where it's usually, uh, you know, a um, little bit lumpy, uh, but it uh, stayed pretty consistent right through. So we were experiencing Christmas volumes right through, uh, right through spring and summer and into fall. And then once, uh, you know, typical peak timeframe, October through January kicks in, uh, this is where the coin, uh, the, the the term super peak was coined by one of our clients, and and you know what, it's it's absolutely that. I mean, numbers were outstanding as far as volume, but with that great opportunity, also comes a great number of challenges, and so it was definitely uh, definitely a year of the delivery economy. Um, you know, on average, one of the biggest changes that the customers have seen that we've heard about anyway is that the um, you know the average packages per stop has changed dramatically as well. Just you know, the, the buying behaviors that consumers have now engaged in is a little bit different than what it used to be. So when you're talking last mile to residential, uh, you know, it went from an average of 1.6 packages per stop, give or take, depending on who you talk to, um, down to, you know, 1.1, 1.2 in some cases. So really what that means is there's a whole lot more stops with uh, single pieces, which is taking up time and resources and, and so on. So that's something that people had to deal with. And but, you know, in line with that also is, uh, you know, the ability for them to attract uh, uh, people, uh, you know, resources, humanware uh, and vehicles to be able to to be able to augment their existing fleet. Um, you know, one of our customers has hired over a thousand new drivers and, and vehicles. Um, and frankly, I'm not even sure where they found them. But uh, but the reality is they had, they had to go and get these people to deliver the load. And, and even then they still couldn't keep up with all the loads. So, um you know, the, and the other thing I think that they ran into some challenges with um, were because of the glut of opportunity, uh, the drivers, uh, owner operators, you know, independent couriers, contractors working for the carriers have a lot of choice right now, right? Um, you know, it's 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 their their opportunities to to lose, and and frankly, if they don't like the processes or the technology or or what have you, and or their, if their job is being constrained by administrative functions that's slowing them down from getting the job done, which is where they earn their money, um, they tend to move on. And we've had a couple of situations this year where we've had customers call us up desperate to get ShipTrack deployed quickly so that they would maintain and retain their, their talent because um, it's so much so much of a hard, hard time for them to attract new talent. That, that's so interesting. And I mean, when you mentioned that the average packages per stop had changed, I, I um, would have assumed maybe that they went up. Maybe there were more packages per house, but I, I guess um, if, if people are you know, buying more often, more frequently than maybe it's sort of, um, you know, one package a day and, and instead of a whole lot at once. Um, it, it, it's really the uh, changing conditions really in the foundation of, of how the whole thing works. Um, That's right. Exactly. And, and uh, what, what sort of lessons um, did you find out um, that, that some companies have learned about how to get through those challenges that you mentioned? Yeah, you know, uh, coopetition. <laughs> but coopetition with partners, I think, has been key. Um, you know, even for the larger carriers out there that are well established with thousands of employees, they still have underserved areas that they can't get to with their own fleet. And they have a lot of overflow um, load each day that happened that they just can't fit on their own trucks. So, um, you know, having partners available to them, you know, i.e. smaller couriers, local couriers and so on that they can work with is, is, has been critical for a lot of our customers. So we've seen a, a nice trend going towards that because it keeps everyone employed and happy and, and uh, shares the shares the load. But with that comes some challenges, obviously. So technology is no longer a nice to have. Uh, it's absolute must. And, uh, you know, we, we've been able to provide a lot of our customers with the ability to uh, engage with these third party partners and, and have those people or those companies deliver on their behalf 
seamlessly as if they were their own employees. So, you know, the, the software is really bridged the gap, uh, whereas before it was a lot of manual or, um, you know, even electronic, but usually through uh, through file transfer, things like that. So all of that's gone away now. Um, I think the other thing is dynamic route planning uh, can be a huge win. Um, you know, anecdotally, we've got a couple of customers that had some great uh, successes. Um, you know, there's one client in this U.S. that uh, that had a 10% increase in their volume, yet was able to reduce their routes by by a solid 1%. So doing more with less. Um, Another example of a UK medical products uh, company who was faced with, uh, you know, 3x increase in their volume due to COVID-19 and, you know, the UK government uh, mandating that uh, they ship PPE equipment out uh, due to COVID. Um, yeah, they were really concerned, obviously, when your, you know, your business grows by three times, um, you know, it's, again, difficult to scale like that, but they were able to manage it all with the uh, uh, with the um, all that demand with the existing workforce just by implementing technology to help sort that out. So the entire suite of products that we brought to the table really helped them out. Gotcha. Um, boy, I, I, and I hadn't thought of the, uh, you know, the, the, the concept. We, we think about customer satisfaction, of course, with last mile delivery, um, and, and that's usually the, the end customer. But, um, you know, that they're also the drivers with choice and, and um, you know, who can move around as well, as you say. Mm -hmm. um, you know, looking at some of the conditions that you've described, um, do you see them continuing into 2021? Uh, the conditions are changing sort of every day, it seems, as vaccines roll out and, uh, you know, the lockdown conditions uh, change. Um, how's the future looking? Yeah, um, you know what, I, I keep rubbing the crystal ball myself to see if I can get it clear. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, obviously, I think it's I think it's pretty clear that, that buying behaviors have changed. So Omnichannel is absolutely here to stay, if there was any doubt before. Um, you know, we've, uh, I think as consumers, we've all been retrained on how to, uh, you know, how to purchase and, um, you know, thanks to Amazon and other online services and, and last mile delivery, that's, it's just made things a whole lot more, uh, simplistic for people to take advantage of. <clears throat> I think the other thing too, is that, um, you know, customer care, customer centricity and service quality has to return in 2021. I mean, last year in 2020, it was all about just getting the loads out, you know, managing the, the, the influx of volumes at all costs. But, uh, you know, as things start to settle a little bit, I think, you know, the return back to a, a customer focus is, is we're going to see that happen. Um, not that it was horrible, but there was definitely some some opportunities, you know, lacking. So as an example, you know, there were some sacrifices made by, you know, as to time of arrival, for example, or, you know, instead of a, a one or two day delivery, it might be a three or a four day delivery. And 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 it just, just is what it is, right? Um, but I think also, you know, the, the, the couriers, you know, need to help the, the shippers and, and retailers and others to be able to satisfy those promises to their clients. And, and uh, you know, again, technology plays a part in that, obviously, but I think there's going to be a greater focus on that as we, as we you know, kind of progress through 2021. Um, you know, with any luck at some point with restrictions being lifted, I think, you know, we'll start seeing a little bit more brick and mortar activity happening. But I think even that's going to be different, um, you know, from here going forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Uh, it, it, it's so interesting to track all this. Um, and, and, and you're right. I mean, we, we absolutely saw, um, I, I think, some changes in the conditions um, that, that, that some end users and customers were, were willing to accept um, when, when they were getting goods delivered, uh, you know, despite shortages and, and tough conditions. Mm -hmm. uh, however, as you mentioned uh, earlier in, in our discussion, all this um, isn't cheap, right? It, it, it's expensive. So um, are you seeing any strategies uh, for, for some of the uh, last mile carriers deploying um, to try to control costs um, in, in the middle of these? Yeah, well, there's there's costs and there's also uh, opportunities, right? Uh, opportunities for revenue. I mean, um, one of the things that we were seeing is, 
you know, we've got one customer obviously that's uh, that's running this. They're they're a large retailer, national international retailer. You know, and they're they're leveraging, like I said, the cooperation model. So they've got their own fleet, but they've also got a lot of uh, third-party couriers working for them. And and what they've done is um, they've uh, you know contracted us to supply multiple products. Kind of as what I said in the, in the beginning of the, the show, you know, area planners, example, combined with ShipTrack and a new product called ScanSort. You know, taking these what used to be independent silo of products and now merging them together as one offering. And, and you know, to be honest with you, the comments that we had back from them was it really interesting because they had looked through the marketplace and obviously they had their wish list and um, they were having trouble satisfying all the demands of that wish list, uh, you know, like all of us do. Um, but the comments back after we kind of all came together as one, one company and one solution was that we checked every box on their list. And uh, for me, that was really that was really interesting. But more for them, it allowed them to see their uh, see their their plans uh, move forward uh, without any compromise. So you know, I think technology has come to a point where it's 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 changing dramatically. Um, I think beyond that, you know, other strategies that they can uh, you know they can implement, you know, cutting costs and so on. I mean, obviously, dynamic routing, uh, you know, planning those routes, strategic routes. Obviously, that's super important. So it helps them understand. You know what load they're expecting, how many how many trucks and people are going to be required, and and how they can distribute those loads. Um, so that that's a key win right there to save some uh, save some hard costs. But you know we've we've run in other situations with customers where we've actually been able to help them win new business, and that's kind of why I said the new new revenue opportunities. You know we've got some uh, obviously some new features that uh, that we've got in our portfolio that they can then in turn offer to their customers to add value. Um, you know, such as simple reporting or dashboards, for example, so they can their customers can see exactly what's going on uh, beyond just normal, you know, uh, um, you know, POD updates and things like that. But uh, we've also been involved in number with a number of customers in uh, responding to RFPs that they're going after. You know, one of our great customers uh, here in Canada, in Toronto. Uh, you know, went after Amazon a couple of years ago and, and some other large retailers and, and they've asked us to participate with them. So we thought that was fantastic, you know, providing them technology expertise and, and know-how and opinions to help bolster their RFP and, and subsequently they've, they've won those RFPs. So you know, I look at it as an opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, great, those are some wonderful thoughts. Uh, Sean, I really appreciate your, your uh, walking us through the details there and, uh, and, and talking about some of the issues here that uh, really touch all of us, whether you're in the logistics uh, the industry performing these things or whether you're at home uh, keeping an eye on your front step for that parcel arriving. Um, thank you so much for being here with us today. Yeah, thank you, Ben. Appreciate it. Uh, we've had Sean Winter with us, who's uh, Vice President of Mobility Solutions at Descartes. And uh, back to you, Dick. Thank you, Sean and Ben. Now let's take a look at some of the other supply chain news from the week. Victoria, you wrote this week about the driver shortage and how it is creating particular demands on the food service industry. What did you discover? Yes, thanks, Dave. And uh, this echoes some of the challenges Ben and Sean were just talking about. Uh, we've done a lot of reporting on the growing need for truck drivers across the logistics industry, um, but there hasn't been too much to report on the subject over the last 10 months or so, and that's because of all the other challenges posed by the pandemic. But uh, some, in the, some industry groups are keeping the issue alive, um, especially as business begins to pick up in some industry segments where it had slowed. Uh, the International Food Service Distributors Association, or IFTA, is one of those groups. And I spoke to leaders there this week about the problem. Um, food service distributors were really affected by lockdowns in the early days of the pandemic. And these are businesses that sell to restaurants, schools, and other institutions. So 
closures and reduced capacity obviously affected their need for supplies. And as a result, distributors saw business drop off. That led to an abundance of drivers in some cases as companies cut back on routes. Uh, now, in 2021, conditions are improving, FIFTA tells me, and they say the need for drivers is kind of becoming acute once again. And it's also drawing attention to previous efforts in the industry to attract talent. Victoria, when did the industry start to feel the pinch for drivers again? Yeah, so um, if the leaders say it really started um, as early as January, sort of mid to late January, restaurant restrictions are starting to ease in some areas, as we know. And along with that, many in the industry had worked to diversify their business over the last year. So they're saying things are really starting to pick up. And as companies get bigger, they need to add drivers. And of course, you know, as we heard a little while ago, there's a lot of competition out there in that last mile category. So what they say, uh, the leaders I spoke to, is that it's all beginning to draw attention once again to what industry groups have referred to as a truck driver shortage nationwide. And a little bit of background, some estimates show there will be a shortage of about 160,000 drivers by 2028 and that the industry will need to hire about 1.1 million drivers over the next 10 years to keep pace with turnover and retirements and things like that. But there's hope, uh, they say. Both IFTA and the American Trucking Associations, as well as some other groups, support something called the Drive Safe Act. And this is something that they mentioned to me. It's a bipartisan bill last introduced in Congress in 2019. And they say it will help companies attract younger drivers to the industry. We've reported on this as well in the past. Essentially, this bill aims to lift age restrictions that prevent drivers from crossing state lines. And it also um, aims to improve safety and training through an apprenticeship program. Um, proponents like IFTA and others, they say it will help uh, open doors to new career paths for younger workers while also filling this vital industry need that they're talking about. So when I spoke to IFTA this week, they said they're hopeful that this, uh, the Drive Safe Act will be reintroduced in the new Congress. There's no time, timeline for that right now, but we're certainly keeping an eye on it. And, you know, it seems like the uh, labor issue, employment issue in general is, is one to keep an eye on and certainly the, the driver issue. Yeah, those are definitely issues that we will continue to track. Thank you, Victoria. You're welcome. And Ben, you reported this week on how companies are starting to plan for e-commerce logistics challenges in a post-pandemic world. Can you tell us more? Uh, of course, Dave. Yeah. Um, a lot of these uh, issues really span uh, all the different uh, parts of, of the uh, supply chain operation here. Uh, so I, I talked uh, this week with DHL, the international parcel carrier and third-party logistics provider. Um, that they had released a look into 2021 uh, that, that listed some of the uh, four specific trends that they're tracking. Uh, and, you know, a lot of them were right on target uh, with our talk so far today on, on the podcast um, and tight capacity, uh, both of trucks and, and of drivers. Um, DHL said that even before the pandemic, um, a lot of shippers had begun to diversify the number of carriers they use, um, with, which had come up in our talk earlier today with Sean. Uh, and, and that trend accelerated quickly over the past year. Um, and, and again, that was because the swamped sort of primary carriers uh, like UPS or FedEx uh, had actually begun placing caps on the number of parcels they would accept from shippers. Uh, so uh, folks had to scramble to find some way to deliver them. Um, that as well, uh, DHS said that as business to consumer shipping keeps growing as opposed to B2B, uh, another trend that they expect to emerge is that uh, online shippers, uh, therefore, they might start paying a premium uh, just to secure winter peak um, season capacity. Uh, and that would even follow rate hikes that we saw temporarily over the winter holidays from uh, most of the major carriers. So it uh, doesn't look like it's going to get any cheaper uh, for shippers in the coming months. Yeah, that is interesting. 
are ZHL predicting any other trends for the remainder of the year? Uh, they are. Um, that, that, that that's the foundation um, that we talked about those challenges. But um, you know, as if that's not enough, um, e-commerce firms, um, which is where a lot of that growth is coming from, also face a, a growing threat from cybersecurity. Um, so that's emerged because as brick and mortar stores have built up their online presences uh, during the pandemic and and the growth of the general sector. Um, th that acceleration of their digital transformations, um, you know, opens up some vulnerabilities. Uh, so they need better cyber defenses um, to, to be able to ensure a safe online shopping experience. Uh, and, and the fourth trend uh, that DHL talked about was uh, many stores have been shifting their fulfillment strategies um, as they close some of their brick and mortar stores. Um, and, and some of them have shifted to a, to a dark store model, which some call it, uh, like converting a traditional retail store uh, into a local fulfillment center. Um, it, it's either a dark store or sometimes they can do that while continuing uh, the, the brick and mortar operations at the same time. Uh, but th that supports um, some of the popular customer trends like uh, buy online, pick up in store, um, curbside delivery, parcel lockers. Uh, so in fact, even this week, we saw some uh, examples of that happening um, you know, in the real world. Uh, the big grocery distributor, Ahol Delhaz, um, said that it would uh, expand its micro fulfillment center technology uh, through a pilot in the Philadelphia market uh, using technology uh, from some names that we've often heard in the logistics space, um, like Swiss Log and Auto Store. So, um, you know, the, these trends are, are happening and, uh, and, and they're, they're really playing out, um, you know, right before our eyes. Yeah, it'll be interesting to track. And I agree that automation will play that key role in our post-pandemic supply chains. Thanks, Ben. Sure. We encourage listeners to go to dcvelocity.com for more on these and other supply chain stories and check out the podcast notes section for some more direct links on the topics that we discussed today. Thanks, Ben and Victoria, for sharing highlights of the news this week. Thank you, Dave. Always fun. Yeah, thank you. Good to be here. And again, our thanks to Sean Winter of Descartes for being with us today. We encourage your comments on this topic and our other stories. You can email us at podcast at dcvelocity.com. We also encourage you to rate this podcast if your podcast platform allows for that. We do appreciate your feedback. And a reminder that Logistics Matters is sponsored by Aptian. Forged from decades of industry experience, Aptian routing and scheduling supports logistics and delivery fulfillment operations with the tools needed to master supply chain challenges, optimize route plans, and reduce fleet costs. Learn more about how Aptian can help you get ready to deliver operational success. You can visit Aptian.com. We encourage you to subscribe to Logistics Matters on Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon Music, Pandora, wherever you get your podcast. Just search for Logistics Matters to find us. Our new episodes are uploaded each Friday. We'll be back again next week with another edition of Logistics Matters, when we'll look at more of the problems facing food distributors. So be sure to join us. Until then, please stay safe and have a great week.